four score and many, many moons ago, I was yet a, a very melanated little girl, um, just greasing my elbows and knees and my face um, on a Sunday morning, getting ready for church on the mighty west side of Chicago. And on WGCI, it would be all gospel music. And, you know, there were common replays of um, you brought the sunshine and um, looking for a miracle. And so I grew up listening to the Mighty Clark Sisters of Detroit. Yes, I did. And um, very, very fond of the memories that their songs bring. But moreover, um, being acquainted with um, some of their story in the new Lifetime movie um, called The Clark Sisters, The First Ladies of Gospel. So here in this very special Ask a Black Woman episode, I am going to draw on what I learned from the movie. Now, here's where I want to pause and um, definitely do some um, credits, some shout outs to Christine Swanson, who masterfully directed this uh, piece. I want to give a big shout out to all of the actresses who not only did they act their tails off, but um, they actually sang. They sang the songs. There was no dub overs with the original music. So the ladies did an extraordinary um, job. And um, here's the other thing that I thought was interesting before we get into the episode, um, that although it's called the Clark Sisters, um, it really, in my opinion, was about Dr. Maddie Moss Clark. Um, there were a couple of sisters whose stories uh, wasn't as prevalent. And uh, for me, that was a disappointment. But it didn't take away from the significance of the movie and the many lessons learned. So here's what I learned. Enjoy. Thanks for listening to another episode of Ask a Black Woman with your girl, Shanira, the mouthpiece. And I just want to say I'm so sorry, guys. I know that I have um, I have a solid promise to always at least drop a brand new episode every second and fourth Wednesday. Um, but I don't have excuses. They are um, excuses of the inco- are tools of the incompetent and they build monuments of nothingness. So don't want to give any excuses. I just have a, a humble apology and I'm going to get right into it because you guys haven't heard from me like in what is this going on like two and a half weeks. And I'm so very sorry. Um, it's just me trying to juggle more balls in the air than I can manage. And um, so let's get right to it. Uh, it has been not just two and a half weeks since I uh, dropped a new episode, but it's been over a month since I watched television. I don't watch a great deal of it, really. Um, but I did manage to finally sit down within the last week and watch the Lifetime movie of the Clark Sisters, The First Ladies of Gospel. Now, you guys know that my um, podcast is not um, a platform to discuss, you know, um, as a highlighting reel of uh, like reviewing shows. It's not a highlighting reel necessarily of the hot button topics that happen to be out um, on these social media streets unless unless something in that sphere speaks to the heart of black women or it really really gets me in some kind of way and I'm a black woman so I'm gonna talk about it and I decided that I would just run down 
uh, my take on the Lifetime movie for the First Lady of Gospel. So um, I am unashamedly black, unapologetically Christian. And so I just want to say right here off the rip that um, it's going to definitely have a slant to that because that's my background. So maybe you can chew the meat, spit out the fat because ain't no apologies here. I also want to preface this to say um, this is not going to be about fact checking, you know, saying what was inconsistent or what wasn't true or not um, according to what really happened in their lives. I don't know them personally. And you know what? Most of y'all don't either. So I'm not here to say yeah or nay from that. Just like when I reviewed the... um, the Madam C.J. Walker story, there was so much in the blogosphere about what wasn't true or not from her life. I um, watched it as an as a form of entertainment, but because of who I am, I was like, just the gems. I'm open to receive the gems. So it was a redeeming, more of a redemption um, way in that aspect. And that was what I got from this particular movie so uh, i'm gonna run down you know basically the scenes and stuff that was in the scenes in no particular order because i actually watched it twice and back to back i watched it very late at night and then i decided to run it again in the the morning and i just found so many nuggets i want to go there so if you want to uh i if you want to maybe catch something that i didn't get out of it because i know a lot of people that watched it they they had some things to say, you know, about Dr. Maddie Mouse Clark. And um, I had some conversations with some very close people of mine and they had, I don't know, it's, it's like I just couldn't, we didn't agree. Let's just say that. So let's just get into it, shall we? Um, right here at the top of my notes, uh, we're going to talk about the pants scene with Jackie. So Jackie is the sister who kept up her nursing profession um, for the majority of her life. Um, She had this thing with the pants. The pants was a very significant uh, thing. Uh, One time Jackie was coming to see her mother. Dr. Maddie Moss Clark opened up the door, took one look at them pants down there and closed that door. And Jackie knew what time it was. She went back to that car, put on that skirt and got back in that house. And then wait a minute. And then Dr. Maddie sniffed her before she really let her in the house because she felt like, listen, you already know what time it is. You know how I roll. Uh, and if you would if you would actually wear pants, you know how you was raised and you must be out there smoking that reefer. So I thought the pants was significant because it showed uh, Dr. Moss's uh, growth, right? That for her to be raised in such strict tradition, uh, maybe that was a reflection of where she was as a person about what mattered and what didn't matter. So I just wanted to start off with the pants scene, how emphatically in the pants scene in which she gives Jackie a pair of pants. Okay. Uh, And Jackie gets on about that food, you know, with her health condition and stuff. And mama, uh, mama, I'm going to go back and forth with it, but I just felt her in so many ways. Dr. Moss, she declared that she was healed. And I thought that was very significant. She said, um, I'm healed. Like, despite what was going on in her body, I think there's something that we can learn from that um, to push through and declare our healing, even when other people don't see it. 
Now, she might have been eating herself into an early grave. We don't know. But the fact that she believed in her own healing. And I think as black women, we need to believe in our own healing. But to take it a step further and actually, if we believe in our own healing, then to eat like it. Like we believe that we can heal ourselves by what we eat and don't eat. Um, Let's move on. Um, In that scene, um, she also said something. She said, uh, I am not a soft woman. I push and I push and I push and I push some more. Mm, mm, mm. Wow. Wow. Um, That's to me, that's that speaks to, I think, a lot for the most part, um, us not being a soft woman is out of necessity as black women is out of survival, too. But I think that was also um, a part of her great faith. So you you see the the obstacles that she had with dealing with the patriarch patriarchy within the Church of God of Christ, and so she she couldn't be soft going up against that right. Knew, knowing she was blazing the trail when one you know nobody had really done that in that capacity, and in the face of just stark tradition and religion in its in the worst way. That's where that came from. So her, her her ability to push really came from her existence as a black woman in a certain era and also because of her great faith. Um, she also said, um, I wanted to be great and great for God. I didn't know any other way. Mm. And then her daughter replies, Jackie says, let them go. And live their own life. That 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 speaks volumes. Like I'm breaking down script on y'all. I wanted to be great and great for God. I didn't know any other way. Now, as a believer myself personally, I, I take conviction with that. Not being great just for greatness' sake, just so I can be um, heralded in the sight of man, um, but to be great. For God, because God is great, and if He lives inside of me, if His Holy Spirit lives inside of me, then it should it should be producing something great, right? And and have it and only living for His approval, right? And I didn't know any other way. And as a believer, what other way are you pursuing if it's not God's way? I'll let that sit. But then Jackie having to tell her to let them go and love their live their own life. Um, You know, I'm not a parent, but I can only uh, wrap my head around what what anguish a parent, a mother specifically, must feel when she doesn't have a relationship with her daughter. And even though I don't have children, but I can infer what I know how troubling it must have been for my mom um, to go through all that she went through in her personal life and still not be at a, a, a certain level with me as her daughter. And I just remember when she was last in her um, the best health, you know, so to speak, prior to her having her strokes and she was trying to take care of me while I was recovering from surgery 
And I really felt her to be annoying. We had never been very close um, due to all the drama coming up as a, you know, with her being a single mom and stuff. And it just didn't come natural for me to receive any gestures of love. But it didn't stop her from loving me. I know for a fact my mama loved me, right? And I think that's what I can see in um, Andrene Ellis, who played Dr. Maddie Moss Clark. That's what it was. Like, yes, we have an imperfect relationship. And yes, it's dysfunctional. And yes, we haven't talked forever. But how do I let my baby go at the end of the day? So, but I get it. Jackie is saying you, she wanted her mother to be healthy and not be worried about worried. But like I said, that's her child. So what mother is not going to be worried about her child? Um, let's, I'm moving around. I'm moving around. I am starting from the top. I love the beginning of the movie when she gets an idea for a song at three in the morning and she wake up them babies. <laughs> and I know people have, uh, tried, tried to call her the female Joe Jackson. And so to, to that, I say, so what? So what? Um, how she said, did you just cuss at this house? We don't do easy in this house. We do excellent. Nothing less. Well, I'm trying to see what's wrong with that. Um, now, it may be extreme in a lot of people's uh, opinions because, I mean, who going to wake their kids about to bed at 3 o'clock in the morning and demand they sing parts? Like, if you, if you get these parts right, you go back to bed. I mean, that is extreme. That is extreme. Um, but I'm trying to see the core of it, right? I think the extreme and the extraordinary strides that Joe Jackson and Dr. Maddie Moss Clark and people like Matthew knows imperfect they are, but them wanting more for their children than they had is something driving them. They are, they were black in a different era. And it's scary to, to think that your kids are going to be subjected to the same life that you had to be uh, putting up with, you know. And so if they could uh, drive them to be at the top of their game, maybe just maybe they can have more control over the life that they want to live. And that's what I saw in Dr. Maddie Moss Clark. And it made me think of my own mama. I remember back in fifth grade specifically when I got my first beat in life, a B, y'all, a B. And my mama, again, and her, listen, Deidre was a whole something to live with, okay? And, but that didn't mean that she didn't expect me to be right. Listen, my young mama had a whole nother baby when she saw that I had a B. Now, a B in English of all things. An English, the child who loves to write, be in the spelling bees, all of that. And I got a B. And she went clean off, clean off until the teacher told her, showed her like my cumulative um, scores on some stuff. And my mother was upset and I got in trouble because it was, I earned nothing but a B. And so I just think about, you know, people could have looked at my mama and said, it's just a B. It's just a B. But when you know your child got that thing in them and stuff like that, you, you want them to, you want them to be the greatest that there is. And so I get it. And I didn't, you know, I don't know if it's just a different era, but like the, the whole lackey thing, oh, it's just to be like, that just wasn't the way my mother raised me in particular. So as a matter of fact, there, um, there's um, a really 
well-known children's choir. Um, they go by the name of Walt Women and the Soul Children of Chicago. And I really, really love listening to them coming up. And I remember my mother specifically wrote down the lyrics to this song um, called Think Big. I think the title was Think Big. I, I, I'm calling it Think Big because of the lyrics. And she made me memorize the words to that song. I shan't forget that that my mother had the Maddie Moss in her because she wanted me to get it in my brain that I, I can do all things through Christ. And so the, the lyrics of that song goes, um, I might as well think big. Why should everybody think small? I might as well think big. If I'm gonna think at all. Now, obviously, Dr. Maddie Moss um, Clark didn't teach me how to sing. I can actually carry a tune. But that that song was sang by a little kid. And I am no soprano. But I think you get the picture. It's the words, people. It's the words. My mother was telling me I could think big. Don't be thinking small. And a B is small in her category. So, I, again, I get it. And I appreciate my mother pushing me like that, right? Let's move on some key phrases that I love that was said like blow it out Dr. Maddie Moss would say blow it out boom I shan't forget I feel like that needs to be a hashtag or a t-shirt hashtag blow it out blow it out don't hang on to it my grandma would uh, we'd be playing spades whatever and she could always tell what I had in my hand and she'd be like play that trump that 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 four whatever and I'd be like what and she always taught me, don't hold on to it. You come out the rib, cut, tape, boom. Play that hand, play that hand. As Dr. Betty Moss Clark would say, blow it out. Okay, moving on. Let's talk about the relationship. Let's talk about her relationship with Bishop Clark. How um, when she was packing and he was like, you leaving again, baby? I felt that with my whole heart. With my ex-husband, I was uh, managing the bank, but I had just started to put my toes into theater, uh, theater acting. And I get my script. Now, I had no formal training, but I wanted to do as excellent as I possibly could. And um, I would be up studying my script in the living room until I would just pass out in the living room. And I remember my ex-husband, we were like, come to bed, you got a husband in here. <laughs> and I get it, I'm no dummy, but that drive, man, like when you when you like, like what you do and you get into a zone, it's, it's like, it's such a hard thing. And I don't know, you know, part of my fault not having the balance between, you know, my marriage and me pursuing. But see, when I when I when I married him, I wasn't in hot pursuit of my thing. Like it it didn't turn up until I got married. So I guess that you can park it right there. You know, we do live in a different culture, and so where I don't know for sure personally, but I think. I can infer that Dr. Clark, she came from an era where, and the church, the tradition that she comes from, where marriage was the thing. That's what you aim for the marriage. 
and not necessarily um, the career at that time as a woman, as a black woman. And so for her to get inside the marriage and be married as long as she was and then really going hard in the paint um, to make this, the you know, as a momager, essentially, which is a career unto itself. And I, it, you know, from his point of view, it's like you flipping it like you, you're a first lady and this is your position. This is what you stand up for. This is what you agreed to. What is going on? This is not the rhythm we got going on. So I remember that with my own ex-husband when he was telling me to come to bed. And so for him to continue and you embarrass me. You weren't at my service today. That reminded me of my ex talking uh, with how mad he was that I couldn't be at his gigs because he was a musician uh, because I was working a bank job and I was really the breadwinner too. And compared to when I first met him and I was unemployed and had all this, this expendable time to be with him, but it changed. And so I just found the similarity in that. Um, I felt like that was like a control, a serious control thing. And then when he got to ambition, don't look good on you. And the you're, you're useless. When I saw P, that useless thing, I felt it in my whole heart. Oh my goodness. That just, my people, did that not cut? Did that not cut? But you know something, when he uh, began to beat her, I wasn't shocked. It hurt me. I felt that thing, but I wasn't shocked because I'm a survivor of domestic violence myself. And I know, I know that if a man could set his, his mouth to talk to you like that, like you like the end of his shoe or whatever, to tell you that you're useless. I know personally that he is not that far from being physical with you because that was the mountain that led up to my abuse as well it it all it all goes together and i'll never forget that so anybody listening to this and you happen to be in a situation where you've been scared um got into an argument with somebody you with and they verbal with you and doing all kinds of other stuff i'm telling you listen i would tell you to run i would i would cut loose right now because you know that they 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 all are the crazy and it'll come and it listen the great bishop was hitting her all right let's go so uh moving on i remember when they were at the recording studio and uh, dr clark was back there with the engineer um and you know the engineer was just sitting there in awe of her and he was like i knew man you was a genius and then she was like yeah you knew that but did you doubt it Ah!" for me I just love that. That was the part of Dr. Moss that knew who she was. She knew who she was. She knew what she brought to the table in all her glory. But she wasn't a prideful person. Like, she just knew who she was. She really did. Mm. Okay, so let's talk about the breakfast scene. So the breakfast scene that happened um, after uh, Denise came in late and words were exchanged and Dr. Clark smacked, smacked her. And so they came down and right before breakfast, uh, Dorinda, she prayed 
and she kind of made them chuckle with some she said in the prayer and then they all cleared out and dr clark um, had her word with denise right and so and i felt that thing it was in love but she held her ground right um she said uh, your anointing is the life you live i'm gonna let that sit now that speaks to specifically to believers and i believe i know that you know maybe a lot of people thought she was too hard and she was too rough but as a parent and as somebody who really walked the talk of the christian life she was everything that she preached she was everything that she taught so I'm trying to understand why people may have had an issue and said she was too rough or whatever. I mean, so many people say that there are hypocrites in the church, but you get somebody that's flat footed, then it's, oh, that's too much. And then what do you want? You know what I mean? And so your anointing is the life you live. If you live what you talking about, you ain't got to preach and and, uh, have your propaganda too much, right? Your anointing going to come through on that song. Won't be nothing raggedy following. People going to either hate you or love you. You know, it should be no in between with this thing or whatever. And I, man, listen, she was a woman of conviction, raising her daughters to be the same period period and there's love in setting a standard and living a standard right that's set that's that's sacrifice and that's unselfish because a lot of parents do what they want and then expect their parent um their kids to do the opposite oh don't do what i do really what they do that at right now granted you know, living, living, living holy didn't keep Denise from going out there in the streets and experimenting. But so, like, again, Dr. Matt, uh, Maddie Moss Clark, she felt responsible and accountable to God for her actions. And she didn't care that everybody else could do what they want. And this is what happens in this house. Let's continue. Let's talk about the rehearsal at church. First of all, it was a five-hour five rehearsals. That speaks to dedication. That speaks to perfection. Oh, listen, that's just like, you know, you have those uh, piano virtuosos, those kids who train for the Olympics, you know, from the moment they in grade school, school, they have their, they're at the swimming pool at four o'clock in the morning, and then they're at school at seven, right? You see, and then they have piano lessons after school and yeah, right? So by the time they're 17, they flipping like like nothing they can flip on them mats and they getting them gold medals it's the same thing the the people that get in the nba like getting in the nba like what three percent of the people that you know try get in the nba or something stupid like that how many hours how many hours does it take right and because so that it's in their bones so the stuff that they doing karen clark sheer dorinda and all them or whatever they've been pulled out their bed at three o'clock in the morning right their mama was making them do five hour rehearsals right so the, the stuff that they do vocally it didn't it came with consistency and repetition 
All right. So even at one of the rehearsals at the church, mama said, if you look in anywhere else except my hand, you look in the wrong way. Woo wee. Let me repeat that again. She said, if you look in anywhere except my hand, you looking the wrong way. That mantra, that line was really the mantra of how she raised them. That goes back to when she was saying, your anointing is the life that you live. If you watch me, I ain't perfect, but if you watch me, if you keep your eyes on what I'm doing, strive to live right. Strive to be great at what you do. Strive to please the Lord. But if you if you if you do anything outside of that, you're going the wrong way. Woo! And ain't that like Jesus? When Peter wanted to walk on the water, the Lord told him to keep your eyes on me. And as long as he kept his eyes on the Savior, boom, he was good. He was walking on the water. But the moment he took his eyes off, what did he do? He started to sink. Baby, that was biblical right there. But then in that same scene, mom, um, she says, um, there's a Twinkie, Twinkie. Uh, Dr. Moss tells Twinkie that she wants her to lead the group. She passes the baton because she knows that her baby's got that talent. So let's take it up a notch and let you have the leadership on it. You can really lean into that. But what was scary was when her response was, Mama, do you even trust me? She said, I trust you. She she knew her vein. She knew that uh, Twinkie had better relation uh, with one of the, you know, the daughters and stuff. And so for the better of the group, she's like, listen, I'm going to take my hand off that part. I handle the business, but you, you need to lead. You need to lead. So she was passing the baton, right? But just overall, there was this complexity of the mother-daughter relationship, and that's a universal thing, but I'm going to speak on the black mama and the black daughter thing, right? Because, because they felt like they couldn't go out into the world and do those things. There was there, there, you know, particularly with Denise and, and Twinkie, uh, wanting to go out and find their own way and to stumble, but it's like they wanted their mother to co-sign the foolishness, right? Um, and she wouldn't like love doesn't co-sign foolishness they did it just doesn't and but it was so complex because twinkie dropped the ball in major ways did she not she but that was her learning that was her life she had the thing she had her lessons to learn um when she sold her catalog and came in there with the flashy car so I get it. I get it that she wanted to have something of her own. But Dr. Maddie wasn't going to sit there and be like, baby, it's okay. It wasn't okay. But she said, I see a woman, but you a baby. I see a woman, but you a baby. She didn't know. She, And so, and then you fast forward to the scene where uh, she, Twinkie and her... I guess well, her boyfriend comes to the house and say they about to head out to North Carolina and start this life. And that man ain't got no, no job, you know, and whew, 
that scene was was off the chain because she she wanted her daughter to get her shot to try to do something but she knew that her daughter needed her she was like the reason why i didn't say nothing to them when they got married is because they didn't need me but you still need me yeah yeah you need me yeah you need me because you do stuff you do stupid stuff in a major way that affects us all you sold your catalog for this car and now you about to leave out of here with this man ain't got no job yes you need me but then the daughter responds but you need me too you need me too you need me to be your organ player oh my gosh so she didn't even think her mother really, really, really needed her just to be a mom, too. It was that um, that imbalance between the desire for the greatness. Um, and I think that's the main thing that I sympathize with, empathize, or sympathize, one of the words, with Dr. Clark. Um, when you have a dream so big that nobody really gets it that's like i think almost like a prophet right when you can see or when god has revealed something to you that is so humongous you can't ignore it and you have to be obedient because if you're not you're going to be responsible for not um executing it and not executing is not even an option because you'd have to live with disappointing god and so the fact that God entrusts big dreams to human beings, right? And does, that doesn't mean that they not going to stumble trying to make it happen either. But, uh, but at the anguish of having a big dream and uh, it offending people. So it was offensive to her husband, the bishop. It was offensive to the leaders of the church of God in Christ. It was offensive to her daughter's. And, you know, to their to their defense, though, they they needed their mama. They didn't always want to have they did not want to be in a house with their vocal teacher, their piano teacher, their manager. They 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 did. But it never turned off. It was always in their house. And so I'm just saying it was it was complex. It was layers to to this. Right. Let's continue. How about when Denise offers up, uh, finally tells uh, Dr. Moss that she's pregnant and um, and she just hands her the dress, tells her to put that dress on and she also pins her hair. She found some pin and put it in her baby's hair and then the next scene, they're out there singing, is my living in vain? And you watch how the words are actually hitting Denise and Dr. Maddie Moss Clark. And what does that mean for the both of them? You know, it reminded me of the breakfast scene. The breakfast scene was about her when she said, um, your anointing is the life you live, right? So is your live, did she, did, did Denise feel like her living was in vain? I remember on one of the recordings um, when she was, when they were snapping doing that song, I don't know if that was Twinkie, but she would say, it's my living in vain, um, singing in all these churches, all these cathedrals. Like, what are we doing this for? And if you don't have your own personal why, it'll be easy to walk away from it because you're not connected to it. Okay. Same thing with Dr. Manny Moss Clark. 
her rethinking is is you know you know you know she had to have her moments she going in faith but not having the support of a husband uh not being having the support of the church having being sat down after she got up there and seen with her daughters at the grammys Mm-mm-mm. and wondering if this if it's in vain heck that's just like our savior you know, um, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he had to endure the humiliation on his way to the cross and then the actual uh, crucifixion there, you know, he prayed one more time in that garden. And he was like, man, if 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 it be your will, like like if, if you can if you can let this if you can let this cup pass me like like father, if you could somehow. Like make it so that I don't have to go through what I know is on the road on the way up. Can you do it? Please. But not my will, thy will be done. Right? And so it's the same way with her, right? Like she didn't want to have to go through all that, but I'm gonna keep on pressing on. And um the last thing that um, I did observe the second time I watched the movie was how Twinkie was just like her mama on the scene where she got the idea for You Brought the Sunshine. And she had she was yelling at her sisters, now older, hurry, 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 come on down the stairs, come on down the stairs. Okay, try this, try this, try this. And was that not identical to Dr. Maddie Moss at the top of the movie when she was 3 o'clock in the morning telling them girls to come down because she couldn't get that out of her head? See what that do? See what that is? How like mama, like daughter. How she had that gift for the music. And what and, and the legacy that comes out of that. Wow. I've been talking for 35 minutes. I didn't plan to go that long. But that just goes to show you how how much nuggets and truths that you can get from watching a film. Especially something of this magnitude. It touched me in so many ways. Um, Because I'm a church girl at heart. And I know what it's like to go to a traditional church back in the day. And all the pomp and circumstance and all that kind of thing. Uh, but also have uh, was convicted and knew the word of God because there were people like Dr. Maddie Moss Clark in my church that would in that case it was Miss uh, Miss Weems. Miss Weems was an older lady who taught Bible uh, Bible school uh, Sunday school, excuse me, to um, to to the children. And she was serious about her word. And she used to give us the wine candy. I never forget it. She played the organ and stuff. But I remember old women like her that really, really love the Lord. Like, they, you know what I'm saying? They'll play the background. They just want to serve serve the Lord with all they might. So I remember her. I remember Miss Gilkey. Miss Gilkey was a live wired, real old lady, real flashy dresser, and always got up and had a testimony. Like, they were on fire. And so, that's why I don't have, like, I don't have a judgment bone in my body for people like Dr. Maddie Moss Clark, who blazed trails without trying to be, quote-unquote, a trailblazer. She just did what she knew she was called to do in the face of adversity. And that's what I'm here to celebrate. And I think you should, too. Thank you for listening. 
look, if you have some feedbacks, maybe there were some gems that I missed, or maybe you have an interpretation of one of the things I did talk about. Um, by all means, hit me in the comments, people. Y'all stay blessed out here. Thanks for listening.